Gee, Pines, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pluto. Talk about Pinky and the Brain. Cast, the podcast dedicated to the beloved cartoon characters Pinky and the Brain, as we chronicle their evolution episode by episode, from Animaniacs to their two spin-off series, and all the way to the Animaniacs reboot. My name is Mary Jo, but you may call me MJ or Pines. And my name is Kelly, but you can call me Pluto. And today we have a different episode in store for you, lovely listeners. So during our recording of our review of Pinky and the Brain Christmas, we went on a couple of lengthy tangents, and the original recording actually clocked in at around two and a half hours. Yeah, it was long. <laughs> yeah, it was so long. But just because of that, we decided to just trim it down for time reasons. But we love those like lengthy tangents so much that we decided to share them with you today. Yeah, they were pretty funny. So if you if you like this kind of silliness, you're in for a treat. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily, like, pinky and the brain related, but they're kind of just different topics that we just decided to branch off of. Yeah, we were having some fun. But before we delve into that, we actually have some news that we'd like to share with you. Oh, boy. We interrupt your regular broadcast to bring you this important news bulletin. Yeah, so over the course of Christmas weekend, the Animaniacs Twitter and Instagram pages released three short ads that contained scenes from the third season of the Animaniacs reboot. So the first and third ads were very Warner-centric, as the first one focused on Wacko ordering food from a drive-thru, much to Dr. Scratch and Sniff's dismay. <laughs> it was very funny and relatable. It was funny. It even had like a similar joke where Scratch and Sniff said nine, and Wacko thought, I was like, oh, nine cheeseburgers. Yeah, I was thinking about that. They did the same joke that they did in one of the Pinky and the Brain episodes. Yeah, the <laughs> where, no, where No Mouse Has Gone Before, where it's yeah. like, Brain's like, Pinky, how many seconds do I have left? Pinky's like, nine. He's like, okay, great, I have this plenty of time. <laughs> Repeating their own joke. Yeah, but in different different circumstances. Yep. I just have two cheeseburgers, a large fry, a small fry, three cheeseburgers, chicken nuggies, chicken tendies, four cheeseburgers. Nine! Oh, okay, nine cheeseburgers. From now on, Pinky, whatever anyone asks you, just say, yeah or nine. Did you hear the countdown, Pinky? Yeah! What number are they down to? Nine! Nine? Yeah! Excellent. Plenty of time. And then the third one involves the Warner siblings planning to annoy Santa Claus into giving them presents. But the second ad, which was released on Saturday, December 24th, featured the brain showing off a series of toys to Pinky, who is contentedly munching on popcorn from a thimble. <laughs> the Slinky, just a helical spring with a longer than average period of oscillation. Silly Putty, a non-Newtonian polymer, neither silly nor a putty. The hula hoop. It's a hoop. They're selling children empty circles. Ooh. They are simple, they are pointless, and they're incredibly irritating. 
So what do you think of this one? I thought it was very cute and it was very apt of brain to be like, here's all these different toys and they're terrible and here's why I don't <laughs> like them. <laughs> you know, on the opposite spectrum, you got Pinky over here who would love these things. It's like Brain is pointing out some silly putty, which definitely seems up Pinky's alley and the slinky. I think he points out a slinky and then there's yep. one other one, I think. The that- hula hoop. Yeah, the hula hoop. <laughs> I love I love Maurice LaMarche's line delivery on hula hoop. I did too. I thought that was like, really cute. It's a hula hoop. It's a hoop. <laughs> and I like how he adds, they're selling children empty circles. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, that's not the point of a hula hoop, but okay. That was really funny. And I like that he's like, I mean, you can kind of get an idea here of what the plan is. Because he's pointing out that each gift is like, it's simple, it's useless, <laughs> you know, but it captures the attention you know of people so we can probably surmise here that he's going to come up with some kind of a toy or invention that's going to be so irresistible to the public audience that they can't help but buy it so that's my guess yeah they're going to do something similar to that but they're not going to go through the noodle noggin again yeah i don't think they're going to do anything like that like i mean they've done the whole mind manipulation story a few times now and i really hope they don't do that again i think it's going to be more like kind of more like that plan he had where it's like i'm going to make a movie that's just so incredibly sad you know or captivating that no one's going to be able to turn away from the screen oh yeah i guess it's going to be something similar of like when i create this toy or whatever is going to be just so captivating that no one's going to be able to resist it. And maybe this even has to do with the Christmas episode. I don't know. Yeah, that's. I'm guessing it's going to be like from the Christmas episode because he is going through all these toys. Because Christmas ties in with the toy market. It does. And I mean, one of the, you know, out of the three ads that we got here, one of the worst ones is Christmas focused. The other one we don't really know. Probably not. And the pinky and the brain one is nebulous. We have no idea if this is Christmas centered or not, but. If it centers around toys, it seems, so it, it could be. Yeah, it's it's Christmas adjacent, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was part of the Christmas episode. Yeah, it very well could be. Like, they could be doing a part Warner's, you know, part Pinky and the Brain Christmas episode here. So we'll see what they do <laughs> with this, but it's looking cute so far. Yeah, and one thing I absolutely love about this little, like, promo was the animation I was noticing that too. It's like, especially on Brain. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that they have a. They're starting to do the iris, like the little iris thing with his eyes. They are. Where whenever he's like expressing an emotion, he would just look up and he would have like an iris. And now it's <laughs> in, in the reboot, he has pink irises. Yes, he does. I, I like to think he has like multiple eye colors. Yeah. Because <laughs> in the original. You know, at least in the Christmas episode in Wacko's Wish, he his eye colors tend to change from blue to indigo or purple. Yeah. So I I think that's cool. That is cool. Yeah, and I like that they're now they're trying to like emulate more of like the TMS style, at least from the Pinky and the Brain segments. I could tell it's like they have more uh they're doing a little bit more stuff with the animation here. I mean, not that they didn't have some nice stuff in seasons one and two, because they did. Uh, but it kind of looked like they were pushing it a little bit, maybe on the extremes and the overlap and stuff like that uh, mm-hmm. to make it, you know, the animation more bouncy, a little more smooth. So you know, it's, it's kind of fun. It's like they're playing around a little bit more, maybe. So if so, I'm not opposed to that whatsoever. <laughs> Same. 
And I want to say that the studio that did that was Titmouse because they have a very distinct style in the reboot. They do. It's like Titmouse has been around for a while. They are very good at their craft, of course. Like they're got a lot of great animators there. So I wouldn't be surprised if what you're seeing in this episode, some Titmouse stuff where you have some really nice follow through and, you know, some nice arcs and whatnot here in the animation. So there was one other studio that I thought was pretty good, too, uh, that they got on the reboot. And I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it Yowza? I don't remember or if it was Yowza. Cinnable? Maybe it was Tiger. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because Tiger was also involved and Snipple was involved in the first season. Right, right. Yeah, they were involved. In, um, I think, what was the other one? Giant Ant, I think, that did... Um, they did, like, the CG stuff. Yeah, right. They did the opening titles or something to the Pinky mm-hmm. and the Brain episodes. So, so yeah, it's like we got some nice stuff here. And, I mean, the Warners, too. Um, I really like that first clip of Wacko and uh, Scratch. Uh, yeah, Wacko and Scratch and Snip. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was cute. I'm like, okay, that's a funny joke there. It feels reminiscent of the uh, the old Wacko and Scratchy cartoons, like Ups yeah. and Downs and Bingo. I was really happy to see, like, oh, cool, we get another, you know, from the look of it, Wacko and Scratch and Sniff only thing. And those were my favorite. Like, whenever Scratch and Sniff would come into the picture of the originals, I actually liked it most when it was just him and Wacko. Yeah, same here. Yeah, you had some kind of fun dynamics there, because Wacko's like, I don't think he's the youngest, but he kind of acts the youngest. He's like the middle child, I think, but he's he's kind of the most innocent, I suppose, of the three siblings. He's the most childlike of the three. He is. Which makes for a really fun interaction with someone like Scratch and Sniff, who is pretty much the parent figure of the Warners. Right, and they kind of were uh, veering away from that in the reboot, which I really was not a, fa- a fan of, so I hope that I hope that maybe here we get a little bit more parental figure scratch and sniff and the kids having fun spending time with him so we'll see yeah and one other thing i have to mention from the pinky in the brain promo regarding the animation i love that little bit where brain just plucks on the slinky and then yeah it, it, he looks up and then it lands on him and then yeah. it, like the slinky like reverse upwards and then brain just pops out of it like nothing happened yeah that was pretty funny that, that's just that's so funny and he's just like Oh, silly putty. It's just, it's so, it's so funny. It's very brain. It just, he just keeps going no matter what happens. He's so focused on the plan. Yeah, he he just rolls with the punches. That's what I love about him. He does. And also Pinky munching on his popcorn from his thimble is very cute. Enjoying the show. Enjoying the show. And I like how the thimble could be like used as like a cup holder or like a bowl or something. I like that they brought the thimble back into play because like they used the thimble too in the original uh, spinoff a few times and in the uh, Pinky and the Brain Animaniacs shorts, I think too. So, um, I mean, I guess it's a classic prop to bring back for the mice to use, but I always enjoy seeing it. Yeah, I always love my good size prop jokes. I do too with the mice. Like it's really fun to see uh, them take a normal everyday object and use it as something completely different for the mice. So yeah, I don't know how I feel about the third clip though with the Warners. Like on the one hand, it's like yeah, they're mischief makers, but I don't remember them being that mean. Yeah, I don't remember them being that cynical. But you yeah, know. it's like eh, I don't know. It's like that's still kind of following. You know, I mean to be fair, like this is the reboot. It's not the original creators working on this. Um, so you're gonna get some, <laughs> you're gonna get some uh, different writing and styles of humor here. Yeah, different takes. 
Yeah, different takes. So it's like, I don't, you know, in the original, they, I don't think they would have done something like this. They would, probably would have had the Warners, like, probably still want to meet Santa, but be a little bit more excited as normal kids would be. Yeah, because I, I remember, it. I remember from the um, episode, it was like, Twas the Day Before Christmas, where the Warners are just basically prepping the water tower just to meet Santa. And yeah even like engaging in some shenanigans because they mentioned like scratch as if was dressed up as santa the previous year and oh, then like the yeah. warner's gone to like pillow fights with him and just that like that was funny <laughs> and just really like smacking him around just being all like but being very childish about it so it's yeah. like there's definitely more of a energetic childlike quality to the warners in the original there is and i kind of miss that it's like they're still kids they're still siblings and i really miss those sweet sibling moments and them just acting like kids and you still kind of get that but to me here it almost feels like they've aged them up a bit i mean i don't know maybe that's intentional because they did the same thing with pinky and brain but with pinky and brain to me it works a little bit better you know especially considering the fact that like they're already adults they're already adults the brain's been at the stint for literally over 25 years and it's like okay yeah i can see him getting a little desperate <laughs> to some degree to get this done and so he's a little more on edge and a little more curmudgeonly yeah more curmudgeonly and they are a little bit older they got bags under their eyes now and <laughs> so with the warner kids though it's like i don't know like could i see them becoming a bit more cynical and a little more hard um maybe but i mean it depends it does depend it just feels a little out of character for me yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Like, I do miss that, like, childlike quality to it, and I just kind of wish they still... Because there are moments in the um, reboot where they still have that childish energy to it, like in the... There um, is. Like, Yakko's Big Idea, or The Longest Word, where they do, like, have some, like, sibling shenaniganery. Yeah, there was still that. Like, that was, you know, that stuff was cute. I liked it in the Olympics one, where they, like... When they liked the idea of the golden rise being like chocolate oh yeah yeah <laughs> like that was cute i'm like yeah that's something that kids would you know look at it as so <laughs> they still have those moments for sure and maybe they'll still do that here but in any case no matter what we're getting at least a season three so i'm i'm very thankful that we got a reboot at all and let's just savor whatever we do get here <laughs> yeah i mean I'm, I'm glad that the reboot exists like it, yeah it has its flaws but there's also a lot of genuinely enjoyable aspects about it too so there are there are and you can tell the staff is having fun oh yeah like the cast and crew they probably had a lot of fun with the show and especially with like aspects like experimenting with different animation styles which i'm like i really love yeah <laughs> me too so, you know, season three is coming and I, we're just gonna just enjoy what we have and just hopefully it'll go out on a high note. I hope so, too. And um, I mean, feel free to scratch this out of the minutes pines if you don't want it. But I'm actually kind of curious, you know, what do you listeners think? Those of you who are tuning into the uh, into the podcast, what are your like hopes and expectations for season three? Like this is our last season that we're getting of Animaniacs as far as we know into the foreseeable future. So, you know, what are some things that you're excited about seeing in this last season or hope that we're going to get? Uh, maybe what, have your, what are some of your fears? <laughs> and what are your thoughts on what we've seen so far uh, in these clips, you know, in the, in the teaser trailer, in these ads that we got, and we know that we're going to be getting some more teasers uh, as hopefully. we get closer. Hopefully so, yeah, as we get closer to February. So uh, what do you think? You know, maybe... Shoot us an email or something or a tweet and let us know and 
Maybe we can talk about it on a future episode. I don't know. I'll leave that up to you, Pines. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm all for it. I oh, love right, I cool. love listening to what the listeners have to say because... I do, too. I, I love offering the opportunity for everybody to have their voice in and have their opinions be heard. I agree. Like, it's always fun to hear uh, from our listeners, like, you know, what they enjoy about the podcast, but also what their thoughts are on... Uh, on Animaniacs and Picky and the Brain in general, you know, not just the originals, but also the reboot and uh, what we've gotten so far and what we're going to get in the future. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, and without further ado, here is the bonus material that we've been hyping up from our review of A Pinky and the Brain Christmas. <laughs> So they walk across this newspaper and Pinky suggests that maybe they take jobs as mall security and Brain's like Pinky. The Brain Mall Cop. Yeah, the Brain. <laughs> Running around in a little scooter in the mall. Or like the little Segway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the okay, I have to quickly interject here because I have to say the movie Paul Blart Mall Cop, at least the first one, was filmed at my local mall. We got a high roller. Meet Paul Blart. I'm going to have to issue a citation. You're kidding, sir. I'm warning you. You're a nasty old man. He's a mall cop. Get the fake cop a hug, Jacob. On January 16th. There's some people trying to take over the mall. I took an oath to protect this mall. <laughs> Paul Blart, mall cop. Oh, that's not a bad. <laughs> Rated PG. Was it really? Yeah, oh I my remember gosh. I was, I was in high school and I was like near the cafeteria. There was like casting calls for extras for the oh my movie. gosh. And I'm like, I was thinking for a moment. I'm like, nah, I don't want to be there because I, I was so pretentious at the time. Like, I don't want to be associated with like, you know, that type of drivel. You could have been famous. <laughs> I could have been famous, but I was too, too snobby. You could have been a contender. <laughs> I could have been a contender. <laughs> I don't blame you, though. It's like, it's very much a B-movie. Like, I've never seen it, but it certainly comes off that way from what I've heard of it. I've only seen, like, clips of it. I'm like, yeah, this looks very generic. But it yeah. was a box office hit because it was, like, it premiered on Thanksgiving and it drew in the family crowd. Oh, I forgot about that. They hit it at the right time. They hit it at the right time with the right demographics. <laughs> but then they made a sequel and that was a thing. For some reason, I guess it's because the ticket sales were good enough on that. The first one, they were like, let's do another one. But I have no idea how well it did, if at all. Yeah, neither do I. All I know is that, like, I think it was like a mall cop convention in Las Vegas or something. <laughs> a mall cop convention. <laughs> I mean, okay, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised, though, because, like, there's a convention for everything. So, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, like, pretty much. The brain's going to infiltrate the mall cop convention in his plan to take over the world. Yeah, he's going to try to convince the mall cops to make him his leader or something. Or, like, <laughs> make an army out of mall cops and have, like, <laughs> onwards by soldiers. And they, like, ride down on their Segway. The Segway. <laughs> the Segway army. <laughs> yeah. <basically. laughs> we got really off topic, but that was funny. <laughs> yeah. My apologies. No, you're fine. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I knew that you that would catch your interest. It did. Like, I had no idea it was near your mall or at your mall. That's really funny. And I remember, like, when I was in high school, I was, like, with my friends and, like, we would sometimes go to the mall to, like, go to the Rainforest Cafe or whatever. Oh, man. Do you still have the Rainforest Cafe at your mall? No, we don't. Ours oh, closed down. Ours is gone, too. 
Yeah. Gone <laughs> are the days of the animatronic animals and the aquarium. Rest in peace. The safari fries and the the crocodile wishing well. The mediocre food and the thunderstorms every 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, the 20 minute thunderstorms. Those are the days that I long for. Enticing. Adventurous. Tropical. Exotic. Spectacular. Rainforest Cafe, a wild place to shop and eat. There's still some around the country. In fact, like there's this, you might be able to find it on YouTube. There's yeah, this... there were two, two separate YouTube videos that documented. Yeah. And they're two different tones. Like one of them was, um, I think it was like Eddie Burback, I think. That's the one where he toured like around the whole country, right? To every single one. Yeah, he and Ted Nevison, I think. It was like, yeah, it was like a friend of his or something. And they went around the whole map going to every single one that was still in business. So it was kind of sad because when they did this, they, it was like right after I think they had closed the one at Disneyland. And I was like, oh, man, like they, it's gone now. Like there used to be one at downtown Disney and it had this really cool like Aztec looking building and everything. And like they still have the building, but now it's like a Star Wars gift shop. And I'm like, oh, it's not the same, man. It's not the same. <laughs> yeah, the one in like my mall has been long closed long Aww. ago. But anywho, we would like walk around. We saw like sets. For the Paul Blart <laughs> Mall Cop, like the there was like a ball pit <laughs> that was there, and like obviously like fake Christmas decorations, right? And like even our mall, like our exterior was like redone for the movie. Wow! And like they kept some of that, I think. That's crazy. At least for a while. So that was <laughs> that was just wild. It's kind of surreal when you see that kind of thing in your hometown. Like I've never actually seen a filming in my hometown, but I've definitely seen some like. On the LA streets where they close off whole sections of the of the streets, you know, to film something, you know. Right, so right. So I've been around that, but yeah, it's kind of trippy. Yeah, it is. It's trippy when it's done like at like a local location, like on location. Right. Yeah, very weird. And then your town becomes famous for like a little while and sometimes for forever, depending on the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if Burlington, Massachusetts wants to market itself as the home of Paul Blart Volcom. <laughs> well, probably not. <laughs> Nah, not really. But it's a cool little factoid for the uh, like locals, so yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> but anywho, back anywho. on topic. Sorry, guys. And then also in that same year, Rob Paulson won the Annie Award for Best Achievement in Voice Acting for his role as Pinky in Pinky in the Brain. Good. Yes. <laughs> Deserved. <laughs> Yep, well-deserved. And he even beat out other contenders like Sean Connery as Draco in Dragonheart. Wow. Yep, Richard Dreyfus as Mr. Centipede in James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> yeah, he did a good job. Jonathan Frakes as David Zanus in Gargoyles. <laughs> Another Will Cast performance. Yes. Tom Hanks as Woody in Toy Story. <laughs> and then these next three are also great. Tom Hulse as Quasimodo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yep, he did a really good job. Yep. Really fantastic. Yes. Tony Jay as Judge Claude Frollo in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yep, also very well casted. Very, another fantastic performance. And then Demi Moore as Esmeralda in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. The whole cast of that film actually was really good. <laughs> yeah, they, like, nobody, like, phoned it in. Like, 
even I will admit, like, I'm not really a fan of Hugo specifically, just because yeah. he, he felt so out of place. It was. It really was. But even then, Jason Alexander doesn't really phone it in. No, he puts us all into the character anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I would have excised him specifically out of the film. Like, the other two gargoyles are fine, but he kind of just, like... He was the comic relief for the kids, and that's what he was. <laughs> Basically, and he yeah. kind of just played it. So, I mean, props to Jason Alexander for doing that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, hey, it's like you get hired by Disney, you're going to put your all into it, right? Yeah, exactly. But I have to go on this quick tangent because <laughs> specifically at this, like, Annie's Award, Hunchback of Notre Dame is one of my favorite movies, but nice. um, it got snubbed big time because... It did. Toy Story swapped the ceremony. Well, that's not surprising. Not surprising, because it's like the first major CG animated film, and it kind of pushed the medium forward. Yeah, it's like it made such huge waves. It's like, that's what I would expect, is for it to just sweep the awards. Like, I don't think it's... Obviously, like, I don't think it's fair to other productions that also did a good job at what they were doing. Exactly. Like, with Hunchback, I remember when I first saw it, it did make an impression on me as a kid. I watched it in the theater when it came out. And that opening scene still gives me chills, and it's still my favorite opening scene of any movie I've ever seen, is that one. I mm. think it's very well executed. Oh, yeah. At the time, I didn't really care for the film very much because I felt like they really imbalanced the drama and the comedy. I was like, if you're going to go for it, just do all drama. Like, don't have any comedy. Like, just do... To <laughs> it's, not yeah. a, it's not a fun book. It's like, that book is rough. Yeah. Uh, but what they did do, though, with the drama side of it, I thought was very well done. And the casting was great, and it's still, to, in my opinion, some of the best, like, artistry that I've seen in a Disney film. Like, the backgrounds oh, yeah. are incredible. The oh, animation my gosh. is I, really great. I have the art of Hunchback of Notre Dame. Nice. Just because I love, like, the artistry in that movie. Like, the, the backgrounds and, like, obviously, like, some of the character animation. Like, oh, props yeah. to James Baxter for his work on Quasimodo is just so fantastic. It was, it was amazing. Like, there's some really great animation in there. Like, the songs are actually pretty solid, too. And, you know, yeah, the backgrounds, I think, are great. Um, there's a lot to like about that film, and I, I do feel like it kind of gets overlooked, unfortunately. Mm. So, yeah, like, there's imbalance with the comedy, uh, mm. but there's a lot, like, there's a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I gotta sing my praises, too. It's, it's one of my favorite animated films, movies for a reason, because... Yeah, like, the comedy doesn't really work, and that's, like, its biggest, like, flaw. But yeah. I think everything else works so well that it does. it's, it's, it's forgivable, I guess. Yeah, it's, like, it's not, you know, it's not so uh, distracting that it ruins the movie or anything. Um, exactly, just... yeah, that's how I feel about it. It's, like, it's there because they have to, you know, get the kids involved. But even then, I like everything else about it because it addresses so many different heavy topics in a way that's accessible to it, a younger audience. Yeah. And I also really love the whole character dynamics between Quasimodo and Frollo because they're just so, they're so compelling as like hero and villain respectively. Yes. And I love, I love Quasimodo's arc in the movie. And I also love Frollo just being this, this fantastic, really like irredeemable villain. Yeah. And I love their whole like, you know, their whole theme is, like, contrast, and it's, like, the yes. duality of humanity, basically. Yeah, I really liked that. I love that, and I love the songs are fantastic. Yep. Um, I love the animation. I love the themes that they're going for. It's, like, probably Disney's most radical movie. Yeah, definitely one of their most. 
Yeah, and even if it's not perfect, I still think the artistry involved is just so impeccable. And, you know, the voice casting and the music is amazing. And also, I have to disagree with uh, the decision to award Randy Newman Best Musical <laughs> Score over Alan Minkin. Yeah, I do agree with you on that. <laughs> That's the only thing. Because I like I like some of the songs of Toy Story, but I think Alan Minkin just put his heart and soul into like the score of the movie. He did. And it's just, it's really impeccable stuff. Like, gosh, the whole thing at the end, man, you know, where the, you know, the city's on fire. Yeah, the sanctuary sequence is so good. Yeah, he does a really nice job there. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to like about that film. And, like, I love that you get a lot out of it, that you really like the film. Like, it's nice to hear an appreciator of it. Because I think it does get overlooked, uh, sadly, sometimes. Maybe not so much by the animation community, but just, like, the general audience. I don't know how much people, like, think of or remember that film, but... You know, when you look back on it, rewatch it, it's like, yeah, there's a lot to like about this. And I like what you mentioned, too, about the theme of well, the characters, you know, that contrast there between Frollo and uh, Quasimodo. And what they say at the beginning, too, uh, the film, you know, in the song, it says, like, who's the monster and who's the man? And throughout the film. Oh, yeah, especially with how they, um, like, treat Esmeralda. That, too, you know? So I like that topic, you know, exploring that topic of, you know, people who think, you know, that they're just the holiest people are actually the monsters and those that people ridicule are actually just normal people. <laughs> yeah. And I like how in the movie, like even though Quasimodo and Esmeralda don't end up, you know, in a romantic relationship, they still have such yes. a strong platonic relationship. And even then like Quasimodo like respects her needs and her boundaries and he loves her as a friend. Yes. That was another good thing too. It's like, yeah, I liked how it kind of came together there where it's like, he's accepting, like he has to have that arc, you know, of, okay, I, I don't have this, but I have something else that's healthy. Yeah. Like I like that too. And then Frollo on the other spectrum, he's just like driven himself to his like doom basically because of that, because he can't like, you know, see himself as fallible. Yeah. He brings his own death about in a way. So yeah, there's a lot to Go rewatch the film. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> Forgive us for another tangent. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks for listening to our Hunchback of Notre Dame podcast. <laughs> yep. Be tuned for the next episode when we review Hunchback of Notre Dame 2. No. <laughs> which, was also, which also was animated by TMS. Really? Yeah, it was animated by TMS. I would never have guessed that. <laughs> I rewatched some scenes from it, but like, it's weird because it's like, it does feel like like a dizzy afternoon levels of animation. Yeah, I didn't even bother with it because like just from what I saw of it, I was like, no, this is going to ruin, well, like maybe not ruin the first one for me, but I was like, this looks so bad. I can't bring myself to watch this. So I never watched it. Yeah, no, it's, I remember watching it in the fourth grade. Oh gosh. And I remember just like the animation is just like, it does pale in comparison to the actual like, Hunchback of Notre Dame, but oh, um, I'm sure. 
Yeah, it, it basically exists to, like, give Quasimodo a love interest and stuff, and, like... Which defeats the purpose of the first movie! It, I, I wouldn't say it quite defeats the purpose, because it's, like, I feel like... If you're gonna do, like, a love story, just focus on that, but then, like, they do this whole, like, dumb... The villain is trying to, like, convince, like, the leading lady to, like, lie to him. So it's, like, a whole, like, liar's reveal oh, thing. Oh, no, it's one of those. It's one of those stories, and it's, like... No. And it's, like, the whole subplot of, like, the villain who's, like, this, like, circus ringmaster who wants to steal one of the bells from okay. the cathedral. <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's like they managed to like sneak the bell out of the church without any suspicion, just surreptitiously stealing a bell. <laughs> it's it's so stupid. I I guess it could be fun to watch this for how dumb it is. <laughs> like there are moments where it's like it has like that TMS like smooth animation, but it's like right. everything else about it just kind of falls flat. How does he sneak it out of the church? I don't know. It's like he hires these like henchmen to like do it for him. So they don't show it. <laughs> That's really funny, though. <laughs> Just gonna randomly steal a whole bell from the church. A no whole dang bell! A whole bell, no one will notice. It's like, yes, Pinky, uh, we gotta steal the bell! Steal the bell! Take over the world! <laughs> but anywho, forgive us for another long tangent. Yeah, sorry guys, we got... <laughs> this has turned into a different podcast a couple of times so far. So, uh, yeah, this episode's longer than you think. Yep. First Paul Blart and then Hunchback. Yeah. <laughs> we hoped you guys enjoyed all of that. It was very silly, but we had a lot of fun doing it. <laughs> yeah, and thank you very much for tuning in to this episode of the Poicast. But for now, let's uh, dole out our contact information and social media plug. Alrighty. So you can email us to thepointcast at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-P-O-I-T-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Twitter. Our handle is at Poitcast. And on Tumblr, you can find us on poitcast.tumblr.com. And you can also find us individually on the internet. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is at MJ Hurlihy. That's M-J underscore H-E-R-L-I-H-Y. And on Tumblr, I'm on Pinestraws, which is P-I-N-E-S hyphen T-R-O-Z. And if you want to read my fanfiction, feel free to find my works on Archive of Our Own under my username, Congressman Mabel, all one word and all lowercase. And you can find uh, my artistic works on Tumblr at PlutoArt, that's P-L-U-T-O dash A-R-T. If you like fanfiction, you can check out my stories on AO3 and fanfiction.net under the username Michiki, that's M-I-T-C-H-E-K-I-E. And if you want to check out my art portfolio, you can go to my website, which is kellyayana.wixsite.com forward slash two determined. Kelly is spelled with an I-E and the two and two determined is the number two. Yep, and thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. And next time we'll be reviewing Brainania. Oh boy. <laughs> but for now, Pluto and I must return to the lab to prepare for the next episode. Oh, I find. What are we going to do next episode? The same thing we do every episode, Pluto. Talk about Pinky and the Brain. They're Pinky, they're Pinky and the Brain, 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 Brain. The podcast was created for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. It is not endorsed by Warner Brothers Studios or Amblin Entertainment. 
All characters, sounds, and images related to Pinky and the Brain, Animaniacs, Pinky Elmira and the Brain, and other Warner Brothers properties and trademarks are copyrighted their respective holders. The opinions of the host, co-host, and any podcast guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Warner Brothers Studios or Amblin Entertainment.